podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net. And follow us on Twitter at CypherCast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we will be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing, My Path Takes Me Strange Places, uh, where we talk about locations you can find under the indigo sun. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast My Path Takes Me Strange Places, we discuss the setting of Invisible Sun. We turn to the relatively well-documented Indigo Sun and some new locations described in Teratology. So as usual, we want to uh, remember that Indigo Sun uh, represents certain concepts. Uh, in this case, really a singular but important concept, and that is truth. So rather than all of the list of different concepts, Indigo is all about truth, but that's probably enough. Uh, we might expand it to say it's about what is the truth, how we seek the truth, uh, and other our relationship with truth. Uh, but really, truth is at the center of everything in Indigo Sun. And remember, this sun is probably the best documented of all of the suns, uh, in part because uh, it has the most coverage in the path. Uh, it is it is covered uh, in its broad sense. There's discussions of Far Town, and then of course Saturnine has both a write up in, in the path and its own book. So there's a lot of material on uh, the Indigo Sun, though most of it focuses on Saturnine and areas within Saturnine. So the sections in Teratology instead discuss locations outside of Saturnine to illustrate the diversity of locations one can have in the Indigo Sun, sun more broadly. And uh, I think it's useful uh, to see that sort of diversity. And so there's, there's three locations that are described in Teratology. And of course, they all have kind of strange and sometimes difficult to pronounce names. Uh, the first is the Caniculus City. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, the city for introverts. Uh, Why? <laughs> it, this is the city where you could be in a city, but not have to actually talk to people. Oh, hmm. Wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if Gen Con was like that? Well, that's the question that the city and location raises. So on the one hand, for us introverts, this might seem very appealing. Uh, the nature of the city is it is a city, but everything you need, if you need a meal, you just sit down at the restaurant, you write your order down, and magically the order appears. If you need to get materials, you write down an order, and that material is brought to you by unseen uh, forces. So it's in some ways an introvert's idealized world of not having to interact with other people. But even among those introverts, uh, it can be a very isolating experience. So it, as a theme, it is a place to consider whether um, kind of the, the, the dilemma of for some of us not wanting to be around lots of other people, but wanting to be around at least some people some of the time. And what does that imply about our relationships with others? Uh, so I think it's an interesting, it's a location to play with these sorts of themes of introversion uh, and the costs of introversion and whether introverts really would want to take their, uh, their, their short-term motivations to an extreme of really being isolated. Though there's a, a, 
a theme of this that comes in throughout you know literature uh, and and human culture uh, that suggests that the pursuit of truth is often a pursuit that can only be uh, accomplished uh, through isolation. So this isolation also connects to the theme of the pursuit of truth and whether it's better to pursue truth by self-contemplation, unpolluted by other interactions with other people, um, or is that a hollow form of truth and maybe even a misleading untruth if you try to find that which is real without connecting to other, uh, in, other sentient entities, or in our world, we'd say people. I I think that trying to find the truth without any outside influence is going to lead you down the wrong path. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, I mean, take a look at the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting to develop something that's the opposite of the Canicula City. I yeah, have it's no called idea. Reddit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and the, the the night side of Reddit is is 4chan. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it it would be interesting to pair the Canicula City with an environment that is just flooding with people and where interaction with people is unavoidable, and then discuss the problems associated with seeking truth in an environment where such interaction is uh, required. It, it is just built into the nature of the city itself, and to to pair those two cities would be interesting, but. In some sense, Saturine already lets you explore what it means to seek truth in an area that at least at some places is crowded, where there's opportunities to interact with a diverse set of, of other entities. Um, and so the Canicula City makes sense as a counterpart to Saturine, uh, at least to contrast the uh, this social pursuit of truth with an individual self-reflective pursuit of truth. Now, um, this has me thinking of uh, something we talked about before, which was the allegory of the cave. Now, they, like Greek scholars, is this how they would have been pursuing their answers and their truth? Was that was that a more individual thing? I don't think so. Again, I'm not an expert on Greek philosophy. Uh, I've read enough to be dangerous. Um, I will say that with the the analogy, uh, the allegory of the cave. Escaping the cave into the real world was not an escape necessarily into a social environment, but I don't think it either was an escape into uh, a, a non-social environment. It was an escape from a, a confinement where you were um, sort of being subjected to random illusions. But there really wasn't a discussion of whether the, the, the subsequent pursuit of truth outside of the cave was best done in interacting with others versus not though. I think mm -hmm. the hand is tipped a bit that the surviving, you know, the, the uh, you know, uh, Plato's dialogues are social documents. These, these are conversations. Okay. Uh, and so built into the methodology of communicating uh, Socrates's teachings, at least was the notion of interaction as a, as a way to pursue the truth. So they really would have hated this city. I think so. Because I, I I get the sense that from you know Socrates as a uh, as represented in Plato's dialogues thought that the pursuit of truth was best pursued uh, interactively. Was Plato's way of teaching to ask questions of his students? Well, Plato was describing Socrates's method, and Socrates the Socratic method is asking questions. Yes. 
have you done a lot of reading about the Socratic method? Um, I've done a fair bit, uh, both in sort of my teaching uh, as well as reading Plato's dialogues. Uh, not all of them, but several of them. Do Do you want to uh, move on from the Caniculus City and talk about the next location? Uh, yeah. Uh, sure. So just to recap, the Caniculus City is sort of the city without people, which may be a way to focus your pursuit of truth, but it might also lead you astray as you become, if it's a narcissistic sort of pursuit. The second location is very similar. It is a location in which the pursuit of truth is privileged, but here it is privileged by natural beauty rather than by, uh, uh, loneliness <laughs> by isolation. And that is the Valley of the Adalasters, I guess. Uh, this is a valley designed to uh, facilitate this uh, search for truth. Getting to the valley is difficult, it emphasizes. There's a limited number of people allowed in the valley. So there's a queue that waits. Uh, and I don't imagine this is actually like a Disney style line. But instead, if you look for the valley and it's already full, you just never find it. It is only available to be found when there is room for another seeker to come into the valley. But it's not just seeking it that allows you into the valley. The valley requires a sort of resonance, both in physical location. You have to get to this remote valley in order to even have a chance to gain admission. But you also have to be spiritually prepared for the valley. And this is a major theme in the game as a whole. Um, that I I, I, st I would love more kind of guidance on how to integrate into campaigns. And that is that truth is both sort of a place that some, you, you see true things at the right places, but it's also you only see those true things if you are spiritually prepared to see and understand those true things. Moving from sun to sun, similarly, is described at times as both a physical journey and a spiritual journey. And the Valley of Adalasters is a place where both a spiritual and physical component are necessary to gain access to this beautiful natural valley that is thought to facilitate the pursuit of deep truths. So what sort of guidance would you be looking for to help you determine if your characters are prepared both physically and spiritually for this sort of truth? It's not described at all in the books, mm -hmm. but how I would play it would be that since the valley is described as a beautiful natural environment, that in order to gain access to the valley, you have to be prepared to take advantage of that beautiful natural environment. That is, you have to understand how the contemplation of the natural environment can uh, reveal the truth. So you would need a deep understanding of how to connect experiences of nature with uh, deep truth. Hmm. Yeah, that's a tricky one to put together. Think of it like was it the um, the transcend American transcendentalists philosophy? You've got your know, Walden Pond um, mm -hmm. and Thoreau and these people. You know they 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 are finding wisdom by contemplating nature, um, but you have to be both receptive to it uh, and have access to nature to take advantage of it. And so you would need to travel far away from the. Uh, the, the bustling city of Saturine with all their, you know, uh, memory mine or, you know, memory mines and all of that. And, and you want to get away from all of those in quasi-industrial structures into a pure case of nature, but then also be able to translate that nature into insights about reality. 
Um, so maybe it re requires, you know, reading a lot on the transcendentalist philosophy or uh, contemporary environmental philosophy um, and a deep understanding of another theme common throughout the game, which is that the, the microcosm reveals the macrocosm. That is, you know, what is below reveals what is above um, or by looking at small instances of nature, you may understand the broad patterns of the universe as a whole. But you have to be receptive to that to even gain access to the Valley of Adalasters. So would you say that just seeking this out doesn't mean that you're prepared? Uh, yes. I, I think that's a point of emphasis in the description. Cool. <laughs> the last location is Yestervale. Uh, this I th is, there, there's not a lot to Yestervale. It is distant from Saturn. Uh, in a desert region, which emphasizes that the indigo sun covers a lot of areas that are not um, necessarily, uh, you know, urban or typical fantasy environments. And within that desert are deep, cold caves that produce what I think I would describe as a magical fuel called mm -hmm. Redivivus. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that I, sounds right. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll ever say it the same way twice. Uh, Redivivus allows you binets for casting magic, but you can't carry too much of it around or it'll count as an ephemera or eventually will. And if you use too much of it, it creates uh, problems for you using music, uh, magic. So it's almost drug-like in some ways, maybe more like caffeine than, you know, heroin, but still. Um, so I didn't take a lot out of Yestervale other than this magical fuel, which is kind of an interesting commodity for, uh, a uh, uh, campaign. Um, so with Yestervale, to me, it feels like, like uh, an old frontier town that's experiencing a gold rush. I like that idea. Like, yeah, it's out in the desert. It's connected to the Saturn Rail. Um, you know, it's a, a town that's main economy is digging this, you know, resource out of the ground and selling it for a lot of money. That makes a lot of sense. I like that idea. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's that's kind of how I used it uh, because we've been there. And oh. I, I looked at it as this feels like a frontier town. I'm going to drop in, uh, you know, I'm going to drop in a saloon. I'm going to drop in, uh, you know, a, a hotel where people can go and gamble and hang out. Uh, and then, you know, when my Goetic needed a bribe for a demon that he was trying to summon, uh, obviously there were you know, enormous turtles out in the fields outside of town that he could go and wrangle and uh, negotiate with their owners with in order to feed them to a demon uh, to, to bring in a summon. But you had to do a lot of work <laughs> beyond what's written yes. in the text. Uh, but I like, it, I like how it illustrates you take a little bit of text, a couple paragraphs, and then you try to pull the theme out of it. And that is, there's this resource there. Well, what happens when you have a powerful resource out distant from the city center oh well you've got a frontier town and then you build up from there and as a great example of how to use these locations uh to build encounters um or to build entire sessions or multi-session uh kind of arcs uh in in invisible sun when you sometimes only have a paragraph or two to go from yeah and it doesn't really tie into the the theme of the indigo sun it uh it's just a, a wacky location. I don't know. It's not really wacky. It's a, 
it's a location that has some personality, but not a whole lot of details. And it's up to you to fill everything else in. Anything else come out for, for kind of lessons for the uh, Indigo Sun? Things that you noticed here that are useful for developing uh, encounters, arcs and the like in Invisible Sun or Indigo Sun? Uh, Indigo is a tricky one. Indigo is truth. Indigo is basically this is the actuality and everything else is just a different aspect of the truth. So uh, there, there's also so much documented about it in the other books, as you said. Um, so, hey, you know, if you're looking for an urban environment, like you can you can spend a long time in Saturn, and we didn't even touch on it. And once you're players want to move out without actually traveling on the path of suns. There is stuff out there. There is stuff in the other books. And then there are these locations for inspiration. Um, but Saturn and the Indigo sun are probably the best documented uh, in terms of, you know, things you can look up and read about it and get inspiration from. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our show archive at incantationspodcast.com, and you can email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find Scott at Agonseer on Twitter, and you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. Leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We hear it helps people find the show. Or tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to help us out.